Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone, especially our guest today. I'd like to introduce Chad Kirchner to the podcast again. Welcome, Chad. Hello, greetings, salutations. It sounds like it's the first time that I've been here. Uh, he did say again. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe for like, some people who haven't listened to all of the episodes before, but, you know. What are they doing um, with their time? I would be so, curious if there is anyone out there who has listened to all episodes. I think if you include the bonus episodes, we're up to over 150 now. So if that's you, let us know. by the uh, we'll, we'll have the contact info at the end of the show. But, of course, if you've listened to all 150-some-odd episodes, you probably know how to get in touch with us already. <laughs> Uh, let me just plug a couple of these guides here. We've got Ben Hunting, who is a, a great writer. Where can people find your work, Ben? You can find my work at Haggerty Classic Car, at Automobile Magazine, Motor Trend, and Super Street. Okay, that's enough. And for Chad, you know what, Chad? I've been seeing your name popping up all over the place, so please hit me with one of those uh, plugs, please. I mean, the current issue of Truck Trend on newsstands now, and in the previous issue of that as well. So go read about the Ram uh, EcoDiesel. Uh, there you go. Rebel. We've got two guys who are in print, and myself, you'll find me at autotrader.ca. But you know what? We've got a lot of cool cars to talk about this week. Ben, take it away with some gorgeous, exotic uh Stuff from UK? Is that what you've got this week? Why? It's exotic, it's semi-exotic, and it's not just from the UK anymore, Sammy. I'm talking about the vehicle I drove in Texas at uh, in in Austin, Texas, actually, Texas Hill Country, and that's the 2020 Aston Martin Vantage. It sounds like you forgot what you drove. Sammy, I'm having a lot of trouble speaking today, which is not great for, for podcasting, but I'm going to try and fight and power through it. How's that? It's. Uh, I hope you can. I'd, ap- the- I'd appreciate your support rather than your sarcasm. <laughs> okay. So Austin, Texas, is that the hipster cool part of town? Is that what that is? It is a city that is located in Texas, Sammy. Wonderful. It, and- it, is, it is the hipster part of town, but it is also the state capital, which is really weird. And there's also yeah. it's also uh, a ton of universities there, too. Isn't that correct? Uh, I believe so. I love how none of this has anything to do with the Aston Martin Vantage. Well, why <laughs> Sammy, don't you take what's, a what's, Am I supposed to ask the question? What's yet? the weather I like suppose. in Austin right now? <laughs> hey, <I'm> hey, Siri. <laughs> okay, Ben, talk to me about this Aston Martin. I want to know everything about it. Let's start with the motor. Well, that's interesting. That that's where you decided to start because the motor is one component of the vehicle that's not manufactured by Aston Martin. Uh, in recent years, the British company has c- come up with a, a deal with Mercedes-AMG to supply it with powertrains because it turns out it's very, very expensive to build a new motor or at least to ground up build a new motor. Um, Aston Martin, it was funny because I we were having dinner with the, the head of PR from the, of the entire company and he was – we, we were talking about how earlier in the day – we had had a reveal of a car that I can't say anything about, but I can tell you that I saw the Aston Martin DBX, which is the SUV that they are going to be bringing out soon, and I believe it officially debuts on the 19th of November. So I took a bunch of pictures I can't show anybody, which is always unfortunate. But They did um, announce pricing today, actually. It starts at 189 yes. I think. Yes. Okay. Uh, so Mr. Palmer, uh, who you know is, is in charge of Aston Martin, 
said that this is a company that has historically sold between zero cars and 7,000 cars a year. <laughs> and zero. <laughs> I really like Seven. how they, I love – yeah, he's, he's honest. It's, it's a great way to put it. And uh, when you're a company that sometimes sells zero cars a year, you have to be frugal in certain areas. And one of those areas is engine development. So what they did for the Vantage is they took a motor that's actually really great. It's the 4-liter turbocharged – twin-turbocharged V8 built by AMG that is used mm-hmm. across the lineup – but perhaps most effectively in the AMG GT, which is their two-door coupe, uh, kind of a direct competitor to the Aston Martin Vantage Coupe, which is interesting in itself. Um, there's a few differences between what you'll find in the AMG GT and the Vantage. Notably, the GT gets an R version of the car, which puts about 75 more horsepower than the 503 horses and 505 pound-feet of torque that are found in the Vantage, which is a closer match for the AMG GTC. And that's a hard ceiling that AMG put on uh, Aston Martin as part of the agreement. They're like, look, we'll give you this cool motor, but you can't outshine us. And Aston Martin was like, that's fine because we're about other stuff. And so they took the motor. They also uh, changed the transmission, whereas in the AMG GT, it's a seven-speed dual clutch, which is a pretty good engine. Sorry, a a pretty good transmission. Um, In the Vantage, it's a ZF eight-speed automatic, which sits over the rear axle, or a seven-speed manual, like a traditional manual in the AMR Uh, model. What? Yeah, so it's cool because there's not a lot of cars at this price point, which start the the, uh, Vantage starts around 150,000, and it can go up to just under 200. Uh, a lot of the cars at that price point are automatic only. I think if you're looking right now, only the Porsche 911 offers a manual transmission. There might be a couple of others that I'm I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. But if you look at things like the Nissan GTR, the Audi R8, um, all the vehicles that are kind of clustered around there, the AMG GT, perfect example. They just don't uh, – Jaguar with the SVR version of the F-Type. None of these vehicles are offered with a manual transmission. So that's that's kind of a way for Aston Martin to stand out. Okay, so that's really that's really interesting because AMG's motto is one man one. What is it? One man one engine or something like that? Yeah, well, and it, 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 there is the badge. There is the assembled badge on the engine when you pop the hood in the Vantage with like a German right. name <laughs> on it, which is fine because you know we're still pre Brexit, so it's entirely possible that that German name is someone who lives in England and works there and is happily assimilated into British culture. Actually, to be honest, I've seen some of the names on the on the AMG engines. They're not all German. I, I except. Think Except yeah. the engine, except the engines aren't built in the UK, so this guy isn't a well-adjusted <laughs> British German. He's just German. Well, that that might be a sticking point for some buyers. I mean, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> okay, and then to go along with that, to go along with that motor, what's the transmission? You, you mentioned a manual transmission and a dual clutch, right? No. Do you a ever multi- listen when I talk, or is it just? <laughs> no, of course is not. it just? Is this the the one man unnamed automotive podcast? I, I just you talk, feel... you talk about so many things at once, man. I don't know how to. I don't know how to hone in on things. I heard the AMG. I took a note of that. Be sure to hey, talk about AMG. Then you zoned out hey, for conservatively <laughs> yeah. ninety seconds. Hey Ben, <laughs> as I was hey, focusing ben. on, yeah. <laughs> hey Ben, hey Ben, hey Ben. Yeah. Um that uh that seven speed manual transmission that you can get along with that eight speed ZF automatic. Um is that a dog leg like on the old one? Or it is, is a it dog a... leg. It is which is uh if, if for those of you who aren't familiar with a dog leg transmission, they're often used in motorsports because first gear is the least important gear when you're on a racetrack. So these transmissions they put first gear 
down and to the left so that your second to third transition is a straight down shift because that's a shift you're going to be making more often. Whereas on a, a road box, going from second to third requires you to move diagonally. So uh, once you get used to it, it's not terrible, but it is something different. So that's what they did with this particular uh, transmission. And thanks for bringing that up, Chad. I'd forgotten about that. Well, I also wanted to show that I was listening to when you were talking. Not so. only listening, but adding to the conversation, which I appreciate. <laughs> uh, I, I should probably ask a question about, uh, yes, here's what my notes say, the body. That's, oh, it has a body, right? It does. It's not a skeletal <laughs> car, which is a good thing when you're spending 150000 It means you're not going to get wet if it rains, and you can hide below the doors if you need to hide from, I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> okay. It, the, speaking of those doors, it, it, the body is, I believe, aluminum for the most part, and the doors are called swan doors, which is like kind of in between a standard door and a gullwing door. So they open up and away from the vehicle, but they're not latched at the roof. They still have like a latch at the front or sorry, a hinge at the front. Uh, it's it's not as dramatic on the Vantage as it is on some other Aston Martins. I think the one that I've driven that had the most kind of weird feel to it was the Rapide S, which is the four-door version, because those doors are short. So when you push them away, like they really stick up in front of you and you're like, hmm, what's going on? But with the Vantage, they're a little longer, so the effect is less pronounced. Uh, you, honestly, you don't really notice it. You don't, but but what's great about them? Um, just a little side note. I don't know if they designed it that way, but um, because these cars sit low, a lot of times you may pull up to a curb that's high. Um, so if your passenger goes to get out of the door, you might open a regular flat door and you may scrape the door on the curb. Because they fold upwards some, you're less likely to do that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's that's a really good point. And, and I have scraped doors on, on the curbs, but mostly it's it's in the middle of winter when the curbs have become unnaturally high because of ice. <laughs> right. I just, I just feel stupid. Uh, so it's, it's it, all this to say, you know, you're borrowing the engine from a Mercedes. You're borrowing a transmission from another – well, not borrowing, but you're sourcing a transmission from another – two other companies. Aston Martin's not building any aspect of the drivetrain except for, I believe, the uh, electronically controlled torque vectoring rear differential. So what does that do to the personality of the car? Like is this just another AMG GT with a different body? And I was very curious to see if that was the case. And I can tell you emphatically that it has a very different character than anything built by Mercedes. Okay. Um, tell me, let's let's get a recap of the AMG GT uh, personality just for reference because they're so similar. I mean, on paper, they seem kind of similar. Now, this is a very um, it's a it's a rowdy sounding car. It looks pretty uh, pretty good actually, and um, was a lot of fun on the track. If if I recall correctly, I've driven uh, a GTR and a GTS on the. Um, track the AMG GTR and the GTS, and I found them to be extremely talented vehicles that uh, had limits far beyond my my capabilities. So, where does the Aston Martin? Re- how does that relate to that? I found that the Aston Martin was more of a nimble, athletic experience, whereas the uh, AMG GT was kind of I'm not going to say brutal, but definitely more of a muscular type of personality, a kind of a okay. a car that that felt a little bit bulkier than it suggests maybe more menacing Mm -hmm. uh and the the aston martin it it just kind of felt in in addition to being more nimble just in terms of its handling it it also was more comfortable as a grand touring car i really like the amg gt but inside the car it's a little tight 
and mm-hmm. it does feel like you're very much in a cockpit. Whereas in the in the Aston Martin, it, it was the kind of car where you could take a very long road trip, like potentially cross country, and feel quite comfortable. The, the ceiling's very high because they were like, you know, people are going to need to wear helmets in this car. But when you're not wearing a helmet, it gives you kind of a, a sense of airiness all around you. That's that's nice and and relaxing when you're when you're driving longer distances. And what what else is cool is the uh, there's not a lot of storage at the front of the vehicle, but there's this compartment in between the open hatch and the where you're sitting, and you can pop up a little divider, and it makes a shelf so that you have all this extra room to put your stuff. And I appreciate that in a car I'm taking a road trip in. It, it just felt like a, maybe a little bit more friendly on a day-to-day basis, whereas the AMG is very menacing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, the AMG always felt like uh, like it wants to be um, it wanted to be a race car. It wanted to bring the race car attitude to the streets. Um, I always as much as I as much as I like the AMG GT, I really don't know if it would be a fantastic car to live with on a day to day. The cockpit is actually very cramped in the AMG GT, and there's a bajillion buttons everywhere. It feels like a like a fighter jet in in many ways. And looking at this Vantage, it seems far more. Um, sort of approachable in terms of its interior and the way that it uh, it's laid out. Am I wrong there? Well, the, the infotainment system in the Vantage is also borrowed from Mercedes. <laughs> but it's the previous generation. Uh, that's kind of the agreement they have where they, they use a slightly older technology. So there are a fair number of buttons on the center console. But you don't have that. Uh, you you don't have to use that kind of annoying. You know the like weird. You know, they, the, so Mercedes Command, which is what they called the previous generation infotainment, had this dial controller, but it also had a weird like wedge above it. It was kind of a triangular mm-hmm. wedge, and that was supposed to be a touch sensitive control. It's a flawed design because if you ever try to use the dial, you end up resting your hand on the wedge and then you end up causing chaos on the screen. So with the Aston Martin, you don't have to get that. Like it's it's not there. Uh, and that that's great. Okay, so how how long how much time did you spend in this car? Did you get uh, some good distance on it? Did you take it on track? How like I, I spent a like? full day on it, mostly on yeah. back roads, and I did get a lot of distance in it and I had it up above uh, 100 miles an hour several times. It felt okay. very smooth, comfortable, controlled. It, it the acceleration at high speeds is incredible. Um, like off the line, it'll do sixty in three point six seconds, which is pretty good. But uh, when you're traveling fast, it's that mid range acceleration that's really impressive in the vehicle. And it's it's surprisingly quiet too. It has uh, obvious. What, what, one of the fun things, and I know people who've listened to the show before, Sammy and I have complained about this a lot. There's no comfort mode when you get in the car. <laughs> it's Ooh. always set to sport mode. It only has sport, sport plus, and track for all of its settings, like the throttle. I'm into that. That's and, my jam. Yeah, and the suspension. So you're automatically in a sporty situation when you're in the car. Mm. And there is a difference between sport and track. Like the car feels much stiffer. The uh, throttle the throttle response is much quicker. Uh, and the shifts are more abrupt and it will hold gears longer. So there are differences. But I appreciate that I, I, you know, I'm paying for a sporty car. And this is the entry-level Aston Martin. Um, you're paying for a sporty car and you get a sporty car as soon as you turn it on. Okay. And then one, one more thing to, to round out this conversation, the design of this car, I like, uh, 90% of the angles I, I end up looking at this car. That front nose is hard for me to get into. Like it looks really awkward. Am I the, like a bottom feeder or something? You know what I mean? Well, it's, it's the most modern looking Aston Martin. There's no question. And <laughs> for anyone who's curious about the history of why this car looks like it does, that car, th- this car was in design for quite a while. And, um, 
they had intended there was they, it, things got a little weird for Aston Martin because there was a James Bond movie called Spectre, and Sam Raimi. I think it was Sam, was it Sam Raimi who directed that movie? Uh, let me find out for you. Okay, I anyway, believe so. Yeah, he visited Aston Martin headquarters. Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes, I'm sorry. Sam Raimi is the guy who directed Evil Dead. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Sam Mendes came to the uh, Aston Martin headquarters in Gaiden, and he was because they had a, a deal to put an Aston Martin in that movie. And they had a car ready for him to use. And then as he was leaving, he saw a design sketch on the wall, and he's like, that's the one I want. And they're like, well, that car doesn't exist. That's a sketch for the Vantage, but the Vantage isn't going to be ready for quite some time. And he's like, it doesn't matter. That's the car I want. So that's how we ended up with the DB10. The DB10 okay. was never a production car. It was only used in that James Bond movie. But it's basically a very early look at what the Aston Martin Vantage is going to be. So they were a little disappointed because the product placement was for a vehicle you couldn't buy. <laughs> but uh, problem, they, I can see the problems there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they ended up using most of the DB10 in the current Vantage. And the reason I'm telling you this long and complicated story is because that front end – on the mm-hmm. DB10 is so much bigger. <laughs> right. Like, but it feels like the, the DB10 is a much more wider vehicle, so that front end looks a little bit more appropriate. It fits. Well, it fits. The Vantage is small, and I like that about yeah. it. When you get out of it, it, it's smaller than a 911 from end I to love end. that. That's great. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it looks fine. It's mm-hmm. definitely it's definitely eye-catching. And something that Aston Martin's always had to fight with is people see their cars on the road, and they look at them because they, they grab your eye, but they don't know what they are. Uh-huh. You know, they're okay. like they're like, okay, that's a cool exotic, but I don't recognize the brand. I don't So recognize- they took the BMW approach and put a ginormous badge on the front, right? Well the, or, uh, or or they did the Range Rover thing and just put Aston Martin across the entire hood, right? That's well, the best way to do it. <laughs> one thing well, speaking of that, uh, one thing I can't they tell you They didn't do either of those things. You just say that to people before they yell at me. <laughs> one one thing I can tell you about the DBX is that the badge on the vehicle is made of ceramic and it's it's set into a bronze base and it's made by hand and it takes 20 hours to do. Okay. So uh, yeah, what, no, the, <laughs> what type of what? Who came up with that decision? I, I mean, I, if your car, ta- I mean, if your car company like uh, is is already like at capacity, I suppose. I don't know if they are at capacity. It seems like they there there's a there's a blend between they only sell so many vehicles that that they can, um, and many vehicles are in in high demand. Maybe um, for a, a part of the product to take so long to make and might be very high in demand as well. That might be tough. That was a very convoluted s- series of sentences, but I'm going to say that I think the badge is cool, and I'm glad someone's putting some craftsmanship into into their product. <laughs> so that, that okay. kind of that kind of wraps up my thoughts on on the Vantage. I think it's a it's a very cool car. It's a great alternative to driving yet another 911. Not that there's mm-hmm. anything wrong with the 911, but there's so many of them out there. So if you want to be different, this is a good way to do it, and it's very comfortable and very fast. So why not try something that's uh, not the same as what's parked next to you at the at at the hedge fund or wherever it is that you're working, where you're casually browsing Aston Martins. Oh, don't worry. Everyone's going to have a, C- a mid-engine C8 Corvette now that can outrun this this Aston Martin. So. Wow. Okay. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, Chad, I'd like to – I mean, we brought you on the podcast for more than a couple of quick puns and stuff like that. I need you to tell me where you've been and uh, tell me all about this thing called a – I have it in my notes here – Ford Bronco? I Ford Bronco. So while Ben was at the Circuit of the Americas at, in – 
F1 race doing F1 Wait, ben, stuff. Wait, you did that? Yeah, let's just gloss over that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so while he was hanging out with Dr. Andy Palmer and Laura and all of the cool people at Aston Martin, I was hanging out with our friends at Ford who um, took us all out into the desert and threatened to bury us in a... The threat threatened to bury us in a shallow grave. Up to their necks. And to their necks. And decided they wanted to show us uh, the Bronco. And that's kind of a big deal. So if you recall, so when you're listening to this now, um, it's been at least a week. But Ford said, hey, we're going to put the uh, – we're going to show off the production version of the Bronco sometime in spring of 2020. Um, mm-hmm. They launched a uh, – Amazon store where you could buy a bunch of Bronco gear from Ford and stuff like that. So they were basically clearing the decks because um, this year is the 50th anniversary of when Rod Hall won overall at the Baja 1000 in a 1969 Bronco. Um, Uh And and what was impressive about Rod Hall's victory is um, he beat everybody. So it wasn't just like him winning his class. Like he outbeat the dirt bikes and the motorcycles and all these other things that are typically faster. Um, so to sort of commemorate that victory, and then unfortunately Rod Hall died, I believe, of cancer earlier this year. Um, and I mean, he was—if you're into desert racing, like you know, Rod Hall's a, a legend. And um, so to help kind of commemorate that, uh, Ford is building and building a race team with the new Bronco, um, and they're going to take it to Baja. And the interesting, the fun thing is that this year's Baja 1000 starts the. Um, on what would have been Rod's, I believe, Rod's birthday. So there's uh, a lot of significance sort of to this. Um, yeah, definitely. So they brought us all out into the desert uh, to show us. It, this is a race version of the of the Bronco. So um, like what Ford did with uh, Raptor and with the 27 EcoBoost, they basically did a race version first, So, but with production components. So the platform is... The platform is a modified C6 platform that will underpin that underpins the Ford Everest globally and then the Ranger globally as well as here in the US. Um it's powered by what we can tell a twin turbo V6. I have more about that in a minute. Um and it has an automatic Ford confirmed to 10 speed automatic transmission. Um okay. beyond that they wouldn't let us pop the hood or anything, but most of the components on board are production because they're durability testing for the production version. Right, um, okay. And so that the, makes the, sense. The, I mean, the one that I ahead. saw, sorry, Sammy, the one that I saw was super wide. Am I, am I, am I correct? Is yes. the production so, model going to look anything like that body-wise? It won't have the fenders. It won't have the, the wide fenders, but it'll have the same sort of body shape, which um, I, I'm sure that one of you folks can put a, a link or something in the show notes. But um, oh, if man. anybody, but everybody's seen, <laughs> but everybody has, everybody has seen the, uh, the teaser Bronco photo, which is like a drape, a dirty drape over top of the body. I mean, it looks just like that. Like, it really does look just like that. Um, fenders are wider on the race version, but that's just because it's it's carrying 37-inch tires. Um, but it's a, it's an independent front suspension. There's a five-coil link in the rear. Um, so, it, and that'll be production. So that's a, so it won't be solid front axle like the Wrangler. Um, but it's going to be a pretty serious car sort of regardless. Now, uh, Ford wouldn't go into details about powertrain and stuff, but, um, I climbed and they wouldn't let us open the hood. So I kind of like finagled my way between the tire and the suspension and whatever, and took some photos and some, um, 
uh, intelligent people on the internet were able to find part numbers and okay. housing assemblies and stuff and match it up. And um, we're all pretty convinced now it's a 270 Cubist. Okay, well, which, that, that makes sense. I mean, it's a good... It does. The class that they're the class that they're racing, um, you can actually go all the way up to three point six liters, um, and there is some thought that maybe it's a three five high output from the Raptor, but ultimately that doesn't make sense because they won't have their mid sized platform. They'll they'll have to protect the Raptor somehow, so they won't. I'm sure they won't give it the same engine, but um, the two seven I think makes a lot of sense, especially as an upgraded engine. Okay. Did um, he mention the two three in the past? Am I mistaken by that too? Uh, nobody has mentioned that officially. Oh, uh, unofficially, okay. unofficially, that makes sense for a base engine, mm-hmm. base engine and transmission, um, because that's what's in Ranger. Yeah. So and they're going to share so many components that it would be kind of silly to not have it. But there is a possibility it'll just be the two seven EcoBoost, which is a fine engine. Um, it's in a it's in a race trim, so it's got you know a hot tune on it and stuff like that. But they were given rides, and uh, it's pretty quick, and it sounds pretty awesome for. Well, as awesome as a as awesome as a twin turbo V six can sound, um, and yeah, I okay, mean, hold on, they put you in this, they strapped you into this thing. You're saying, yeah, they they, they, they gave yeah. we we were able to go for rides, um, both in the 1969 one that won Baja, as well as the new uh, Bronco R and uh, Rod's uh, granddaughter uh, Shelby Hall was there uh, giving rides and stuff too. So it was I mean, if again, if you were into desert racing, like it was a pretty cool morning, that's for sure. Uh, okay, so I want to. Sorry, Ben. I just want to talk about something that that's really curious. So this it's called the Bronco R, right? That's the right. name of this of this vehicle. And there's another R in the Ford lineup, which is the GT three fifty R. I think is this their new like race ready or race spec nomenclature? Is that what it is? What happened they, to ST and SV and other weird names like it's, that? I mean, officially, I think it's the Bronco R racing prototype, something like okay. that. Um, so. In this race version of the vehicle, the letter R in Bronco on the front um, on the front grille is mm-hmm. is the color red, um, and that'll be a differentiator between the race versions and the production versions. Um, also, the giant fenders and <laughs> yeah, yeah giant lack fenders. of interior. <laughs> but but the Bronco but Bronco will be written across the front the same way it is on okay. the race version. So there, there's there's a lot of design cues there. I don't think they're doing some special race trim. I just think that they wanted a way to differentiate. Um, and they couldn't just call it Bronco with a red R. So I think that this one with Bronco R to be like, oh, this is the Bronco race truck. Um, because otherwise, how do you describe that? Oh, it's Bronco, but the, the black R is painted red and it means this. I think it's just a, <laughs> I think I think it's honestly more of just expediency than it is actually created a new version of of the vehicle um especially Uh, because especially because they already have an off-road kind of powerhouse performance name so bronco raptor would be make a lot more sense if they were going to do a hardcore version yeah definitely uh ben i it sounds like you're itching to to ask chad a couple of questions sorry i mean you've been doing such a great job i'm just happy to to listen to you talk Okay, um, so then I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this Bronco. Um, I can't get a really good because all of the photos I see are in this desert, and I can't get a really good scale here. Nobody brought a banana for scale. So can you talk <laughs> oh to me about goodness. how how long this thing is? And, and I mean, I understand that the width isn't going to be appropriate to what we're um, going to be seeing on the roads, but 
that and I guess the length probably won't make any sense either because the thing is carrying a like what looks like a spare tire in a in a special cage at the back. So is yeah. this thing like what am I what am I going to expect when I'm looking at this thing? So they so they wouldn't let us. So a couple of things they wouldn't let us do. One, they wouldn't let me pull a regular full size Raptor up next to it. Um, they couldn't do certain things for scale. So uh, I I can appreciate that. Like, hey, how big is this thing? Um, I would say that from eyeing it up, it's probably a little bit shorter from front to rear than a Ranger is. Okay. How, but and I, how many doors is it, Chad? Uh, zero doors. There's a roof hatch, though. So technically it's a one door. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Because, yeah, because there's there's no doors at all on this. Um, obviously, this is a design to mimic the two-door body. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, Ford won't confirm anything, but we are, I'm reasonably convinced there will be both a two and a four door version. Yeah. I would be oh, very wow. surprised if there was just a two door, but I could see yeah. both. Um, there are three seats in this one. Again, the roof hatch gets you into the third seat. Um, when they did, when they did the 2017 Raptor, the race truck of that also had three seats. Um, and when it did the best in the desert series, uh, they had journalists come along and ride in the third seat. So the third seats for the cool. sniper. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly, and you know the deployable roof hatch so you can get out and take a good shot. Exactly, mm-hmm. right. Um, but I would say that it probably is a little bit shorter than what a Ranger would be. Wheelbases are probably pretty similar, though. Um, okay. It wasn't huge. What was really the thing that I noticed the most, I think, was actually how short the roof was. Um, yeah, me too. It almost looked chopped. Yeah, it almost looks chopped, and I'll be curious to see if that makes production because it actually makes the roof not that high. Um, which I guess if you were trying to make a, a brick as aerodynamic as possible. Or if you're um, trying to make the Camaro of SUVs. <laughs> right. Um, I then, thought yeah. Chevrolet already did that with the Blazer. <laughs> no, you're thinking of performance. Oh. The Blazer's pretty peppy, Sammy. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> I thought it was smart casual. It's smart, totally smart casual, that too. Smart casual. Um, uh, yeah. So... What else? What else do you? What else did you think would carry? I mean, what else? The the tough thing is when they do something like this. Look, I get the cool part; they're going to go racing with it. This that is right. totally badass. And not only that, but the history is apparently nobody else has done what they did with a four x four in the Baja One Thousand. That's what right. Ford says, yeah. which is to be an overall race winner in this in this yeah. truck. It would be like involves so many other classes. It would be like going to Le Mans today and having I don't know a Ford GT, but actually beating all the prototypes. Like, yeah, that's, that'd be wild. Yeah. Um, so that was sort of what the success of that original Bronco was. Uh, I mean, part of the excitement, honestly, is it's the Bronco. It's the first time that Ford has officially shown us anything on the record. Um, okay. Yeah, and that's what, definitely cool. And, and they did it in a cool way. Like, I, I, I don't. I mean, fortunately, I, I'm friends with Chad in real life as well as podcast life, and a, <laughs> a few other people who were at the same event. And it was just neat to see all these photos popping up on my Facebook feed after so many months of speculation and teasers. Right. I mean, I've been doing this for five or six years now, and I bet for five of those, I've been writing stories about the Bronco. Right. <laughs> so to actually be able to just just to be able to see it, I mean, is is just like it's like holy, it's like holy crap, it's almost here. Um, and I like that they were able to admit. I mean, what they admitted was a lot of this is production. We can imply a lot of production things from it as well. 
Um, yes, the uh, the Fox suspensions probably you know special one off on this. Um, obviously, the fenders are wider than what it'll be, but I mean that's going to be probably the overall shape. Um, that's going to be the front badge. Uh, the engine, like I said, I'm reasonably convinced it's a two seven. Um, Ford said it's a ten speed auto, which makes sense. So I mean, we have a lot of answers. We know it's not going to be a solid front axle, um, mm-hmm. but you know we we know all of these. We we've learned a whole heck of a lot by Ford just showing it to us right. and without them saying anything. So I think that this is the biggest Bronco news we've had um, and, by far. I'm, and I'm, I want to. Sorry, go ahead, Ben. I'm kind of glad that it's not a solid front axle because I really think that market is already being served. And I think the only people who want a solid front axle are current Wrangler owners. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people – I mean – and I say this as someone who owns a solid front axle vehicle. (laughs) So don't at me, everybody. I'm on your side. But I just don't see a place for that car on the modern market that isn't already being uh, addressed. Right. Well, it – and do you have to – now, again, don't at me because I like the Wrangler. But do you have to have a solid front axle to do the really, really, really extreme off-roading? No. May, no. no, you don't. You, you don't. And you also don't have to have one to be friends with Sammy, but it helps. Right. Yeah. But also, too, you know what happens when you don't have a solid front axle? You don't have death wobble. and. Right. Like that's that's how you solve that problem. It's and funny because it, it also helps you. I think when you're talking about um, uh, semi-autonomous drivers aids, yes, I think that that'll be a lot easier to 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 handle with a with a, a independent front suspension. Although who knows, maybe you know an electric power steering pump on a solid front axle lets you do all that stuff. I don't know because the Wrangler doesn't have anything like that, so right. it's, it's hard to say. Um, one thing that though I think is kind of exciting that I was just thinking about before we we went to record this was, um, you know, the Wrangler is designed as a slow speed off road rock crawler, right? Um, Gladiator is supposed to have this off road sort of speed mode, which kind of works. But like, if you are going out into the desert, if you're going to Glamis, if you're going to stuff like that, um, people like taking Raptors. So what would be really cool is instead of perhaps going after Wrangler. The Bronco is like just part of the Raptor family. It's designed for high speed stuff. For sure. Um, and you're not you're never I mean, look at the cars that have tried to go after Wrangler in the last fifteen years. None of them are still around. Right. I mean the so, Xterra's gone and the FJ Cruiser's gone. And what? the Xterra's gone. Yeah. Yeah, Aww. Sammy. It's gone. I know. I wasn't I, I'm sorry you had to find out like this. <laughs> But it, it just it's it, if they could if it could be ninety percent of a Wrangler or ninety five percent of the Wrangler, which I think Ford can engineer that, um, but be easier to drive every day and also be badass in the desert, like that, that could be a really compelling product. Yeah, I, I think that people don't want a vehicle that's like the Wrangler; they want a Wrangler. You know, right. and that's yeah. might sound like I'm being obtuse, but that's a very important no. di- that's a very important distinction from a marketing perspective. So right. if you can give them something else that does cool off road stuff, then they're going to be into that something else. But if you give them a Wrangler clone, they, it's never going to be as iconic as a vehicle that has the history of the Wrangler, right. and that whole cult is not gonna, never going to accept it. So don't right. try to force your way into the cult when you can make something else that's cult worthy yourself. Right. And well, Ford has, like and Ford has take- made a cult with with Raptor. So for sure, that's a very good point. Yeah, they've Um, already made a Halo vehicle with the Raptor, and now they're they're able to they're going to be able to distill that personality to some other vehicle, just like Toyota did with the Prius. 
<laughs> Prius family. Prius, you represent. Gonna, Prius, yeah, v right. represent. Represent. Um, I was just going to say that too. You know, the same with 911s. Like, if you want a 911, you buy a 911. Everybody yeah. tries to Certainly build. Everybody don't tries buy to... A, a Cayman because no one buys a Cayman. <laughs> should but be buying like, the Cayman though. It should be buying the Cayman. Um, but yeah, I mean, you want a 911, and people try to build 911 clones. And you know, um, as much as I love, and I do love modern day Aston Martins. Do not get me wrong. But you know, sometimes I see their marketing material or, or talk to their folks, and they're like, "Yeah, this is an alternative to a 911." It's like, well, don't build me an alternative to a 911. Build me something different. Well, because... that's what they did. The Vantage is quite different. I mean, and right. any vehicle that has the engine in the front is quite different well, as well. Yes. And I mean, I think the I actually the looks of the Vantage have grown on me quite a bit, especially in certain colors. But now we're talking about that again, and not the Bronco. <laughs> um, I don't know if the Bronco's headlights are going to be square or round. Um, there were no headlights on this truck because they were yeah. all um, they were all rigid LEDs. Uh, for, why is that? A, why is that a talking point? If you don't mind me asking, what's the um, importance of the round or square headlights? This has first, to do with the legacy, right? Yeah, the, with, the first the first gen were all round headlights. Yeah, and, and then every other gen was square. Yes, <laughs> every right. other gen. Right. Because they were all essentially the same truck <laughs> for like <laughs> 25 set. years. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> right. No, I, I'm with you. I mean, it, it's my hope, and I know Ford won't do this, but it's my hope for the reveal in the spring that they pay the CHP to close down the 405, and they get a white Bronco, and they go out, and they just do a slow-speed oh chase saying, <laughs> saying, here, the Bronco is here, everybody. Remember um, when uh, – so when they introduced the, oh the Jeep Grand Cherokee at Kobo, they drove it through a plate glass window yes, into, the, into the facility. Uh, and I don't – you know, I mean Chrysler's – that's kind of what they do. They, they would do that. Well, and then also for the Ram, I forget which year it was the Ram update, but where they basically had cowboys and herds of cattle going down the street in front of Kobo as the trucks came in. Like it was a big cattle drive. So what we're saying Kobo. is Ford needs to step it up. Exactly. I wanted to follow up on something that you mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, yeah. What was it that you said about Amazon and the Ford Bronco stuff on Amazon? People can <laughs> so, buy stuff? So um, part of what's going to probably be a longer rollout than it needs to be, um, Ford oh. on <laughs> – it's, it, it's, it's Ford, Ford with they're a long rollout? You don't say. <laughs> they're getting better. They honestly are getting better about it. But you know they're not quite General Motors in length though either. Um where the car is obsolete before it goes on sale. But um, no, Amazon.com slash, I think, Ford Bronco. I don't know. They launched the store on Friday. Um, and it's a whole bunch of Ford. It's just like a, a Ford company store. But it's all sorts of really cool Bronco stuff from all the generations and, and whatnot. So okay. um, if you are a Bronco fan, like there's some, there's some cool stuff on there. Uh, and as far as I can tell, they don't have affiliate links in it. So I'm sure they're making money on the back end somewhere. But... It doesn't seem like just a marketing like it, well, it is a marketing ploy, but it doesn't seem like it's just a a pure profit grab. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're excited about Bron- any generation of Bronco, like there's there's a lot of really cool stuff there. Ford's really excited about Bronco. I think a lot of people are really excited about it. Um, getting to see it out in the desert was definitely a cool way to see it introed. Um, I'm yeah. looking forward to driving it. I'm hoping that I get to do that before the end of next year. Um, I'm definitely looking sure. forward to driving it too. I'm very curious. I mean. As much as we rag on Ford for moving over to SUVs, which is something we're going to discuss a little later in the show, uh, this is an interesting vehicle. It's an interesting SUV, and I don't have necessarily have a quote unquote problem with it. Uh, I, I it it's, doesn't really <laughs> feel like. What, what well, it's because it... I don't feel like this was this this vehicle doesn't exist because a focus group or a market hole opened up. This is a vehicle Correct. that was designed to do something specific. It wasn't designed for a buyer. 
And I know that might seem like a like a very a shades of gray when we're talking about vehicles. It, to me, it means something. But it's also going to mean that there are going to be buyers for it because I find that the products where people just get around and design something cool and not based on a focus group tend to be the surprise victories. Like I don't think Ford had any idea that Raptor was going to be as big as it was. Somebody just said, hey, look, instead of making another Lightning, let's try this. And then they just sold the pants off of them. So, <laughs> so speaking of um, vehicles that are designed in the manner you just described, I was going to save this for later, but I'm going to break it out now. Yeah. Chad, I'm thinking of buying a 2004 Scion XB release series uh, 3.0. Okay. Because uh, a little backstory. In Canada, we never got the first generation Scion XB. We got the second generation, which was no, nowhere near as cool. So we didn't get the little toasters. Um, but I was browsing cars for sale because I do that. Probably I would say 40% of my waking hours are spent browsing cars for sale with no real intention of buying, but no not real having intention of buying at the same time. <laughs> right. I mean, you so, basically are looking for things in the, for the Craigslist throwdown. League, yeah, in, in in a sense, and uh, I found this three thousand dollar Canadian, one hundred thirty thousand mile, bright orange, or actually not bright but cool orange release series Scion with a manual transmission, uh, at a price that's extremely inexpensive for for our American listeners. That's probably like twenty two hundred bucks, right? And it's got no rust. It's in good shape, and I absolutely do not need it. But I've always wanted a Scion XP, and they're really hard to find in Canada. So, should I, Chad, should I buy this vehicle? I'm thinking about going to look at it tomorrow afternoon. Um, you, so you said it's in yellow, 2004? No, it's orange. Oh, it's orange. Okay, because I'm, I'm looking for yellow ones, and it says 2005 only. So let's see. Orange. Yeah, the, the, oh, the hello. Series. This is a yeah, really serious one. Came- yeah, when I searched for yellow, apparently they were only available in 2005. So when I typed for Scion okay. release series orange, then it was only 2004. It's honestly a pretty sweet-looking vehicle. It is actually kind of a sweet-looking vehicle. Now, um, um, it, and I, I post this question to our listeners, too. Should I buy this Scion XB that I don't need? Chad, what do you think? Yes. Okay, Sammy, what do you think? Uh, if it's a car that you've always been interested in, and it's a good price and unique version of the car, I don't see why why not. If you've got the if you if you do have the money for it, go for Here, it. Here's uh, one reason why not. Two of my three cars currently don't run properly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think a, you'll run into that Toyota. issue. Yeah, I don't know if you'll run into no, that issue. I mean, the motor in this thing is essentially the same Corolla engine that's been in use or Camry engine that's been it, in use forever. It's not so much that. It's just the idea that like I think the passkey system on my Cadillac is no longer functioning because it'll turn over but it won't start it's doing this all of a sudden and i'm still pulling trying to pull codes out of it i've never had that happen on that car before and the datsun won't rev above 5600 rpm and the jeep's about to have an ls swap so financially (laughs) i have a lot of (laughs) i have a lot of liquid tied up in some definitely not uh appreciating assets and yes, and see what will you do to this XB to put it in the same uh, scenario as the other cars that you've got. Well, no, what the thing monster, is, I'm going to not drive it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to buy it and not drive it, or maybe use it as a leave behind car when I when I get press vehicles. Uh, so yeah, it's not a great idea, but it's so cool. So anyway, that's you know. My life is those two things. It's not a great idea, but it's so cool. Are essentially the two devils on each of my shoulders, twenty four seven. See, but here's the thing: like as I'm sitting here thinking about this, because I didn't realize you were going to ask this before. You, you, he brought a, a little inside baseball. He brought it up briefly before we started recording, and then he said, "I'm saving that for the podcast." Um, is you could you could buy like a four hundred dollar US uh, double did head unit 
that'll give you like CarPlay and Android Auto if you want it. And you and it'll be like the perfect airport commuter slash leave behind car uh, for press vehicles slash whatever. That's like true, I, I like think, I really think that it would be. I think it'd be great at that. If it was two thousand dollars, I would already own it. But for some reason, like three thousand is just a little bit above impulse buy for fourth car I don't need. <laughs> like, okay, so, and I also have so nowhere email to park the guy. It. To, email the guy and ask him if he'll take two grand for oh, it. Oh, it says final price, so he's pretty that firm. I'm sure that doesn't mean final. Um, uh, the other thing, it would have to be a leave behind car because I have nowhere else to park it. So right, like, well, it's there's, definitely there's I have to park it at another car company's parking lot. That's just the only way it works. But uh, anyway, yeah, so uh, Chad's given his answer. Sammy, I don't remember if you gave your answer. Yeah, I said go for it. All right, so uh, listeners, if you have an opinion, uh, vote and let us know, and we'll see if I end up with this Scion. So uh, there's one more thing I think we wanted to talk about on this podcast. Actually, a couple more things, but um, I know Chad and Sammy, you guys were both at the 30 Years of Infinity celebration in in Mm -hmm. the last week. Is there anything you want to talk about from that, maybe briefly? Yeah, so, I mean, I'll just give a quick uh, overview of what we got to do. We got to, well, first of all, Infinity wanted to tell, remind us that it still exists. It's been around for 30 years, and apparently it's not going anywhere. Uh, so we got to take a look at all of its current products, as well as one new product, their upcoming QX55, which is a, a essentially a coupe version of the QX50, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. Um, uh, the QX50, as me and Ben have both mentioned, and Chad, I'm sure you'll agree, has one of the most gorgeous interiors in in its class. Oh, absolutely. And to offer that interior in another product is, it can only be a good thing, I think. And so this will be, I guess, a little bit more aggressive looking, a little bit more uh, sportier, something to go up against those GLC coupes and X4s, I guess. That you see absolutely everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm not 100% certain on that strategy, um, but it, it's just another thing that uh, that Infinity wants to to demonstrate is that they're going to be going into heading into an electric car space, which is a very weird um, approach that they want to do. Now, obviously, we both know electric cars. We've got a big old battery and and all that jazz. But they want to do something called a gas generating um, EV. Right? Is that what it, is that the best way they call it? A gas generator powered EV. Yeah, but it's not quite like it's not quite a range extender though either. No, because they definitely don't want it. They don't want you to call it that because it's slightly different. But what I found fascinating about it is the gas engine they're going to use for that. Yes. So okay, let, let's just give the lowdown here. It's going to use the same platform as a battery version of the a battery electric Infinity, but it's going to have a, a smaller battery. It's going to have a very tiny gas motor. And that gas motor will provide a constant stream of electricity to the battery and to the wheels. There is no connection between the the, um, the motor, the gas motor, and the wheels. And there's also no plug to plug the vehicle in, which makes it weird because this is going to be an electric vehicle. Now, that gas-powered vehicle, that gas-powered component of it is going to be a VC turbo. They say a small displacement VC turbo, their variable compression um, engine, which which is interesting, which is very, very um, it's a different approach to uh, electric cars and quote-unquote range extenders. It seems to be a very complicated answer to a question I'm not sure anyone's asking on the current market. So they say the answer is for the the consumer who, now get this, likes the driving experience of an electric car but doesn't want to be tied to the electric infrastructure. It's their, it's their solution to range anxiety. I mean uh-huh. – 
I, I really think that it is the best way to look at it is a range extender. I know they don't want us to say that, but I really feel like that's really what they were kind of doing is um, they know the electric charging infrastructure isn't there. Um, they know it's not going to be there for a while. Hmm. So to basically to get people into an electric vehicle now, you need to be able to offer them some sort of ability to use the current infrastructure and the fuel infrastructure is what's there. So um I see what they're trying to do. And actually, I'm going to sit here and defend their electrification future. Um, right. Infinity has to do something to differentiate. Yeah. Um, so why not go all in? And if they can get to this fully electric uh, setup before the competition, that may give them a competitive advantage. Um, it's definitely an interesting idea. I mean, why not have an electrified premium brand? No one's really done that yet. I mean, Lexus tried to make electrification their big thing. Uh, I mean, when, when I say no one's done that yet, I mean from from the major automakers. I don't I, right. obviously Tesla's a player, and sure. so is so is Rivian, uh, and uh, Bollinger. But yeah. it, it's it's just you know you'd have to walk away from a lot of existing customer base to do that. So it's it, do you take that chance? Absolutely. I mean, I think you're, what you guys said is important. It, it is definitely. Uh, an advantage for them to try something new, but uh, and not only this, but the the parent company, you know, Nissan has has investigated this um, technology before. I think in a concept, uh, I can't remember the name of this project. I think it was called oh E something. I'll look it up I don't in a remember. second. Um, e Power. That's what it's. Oh called. yeah, E Power. That's right. Yes. So it's essentially this. Um, this feature, which was demonstrated earlier this year uh, and used in a Nissan Leaf, but uh, put into a more uh, luxury premium vehicle. And that might be their way that they're going to bring it to North America. Well, so uh, just to kind of quickly segue away from Infinity to, towards something that's very similar that I wanted to get to before the end of the podcast. Yeah. There is one – we had a, a listener write into us um, and ask us a very specific question about – Electric SUVs, if if you can believe it or not, but uh, it's Jay who. Um, oh, listener Jay. Yeah, he asked us about the all electric Mustang inspired SUV that is coming from mm-hmm. Ford, and I know this week we saw a 900 horsepower electrified Mustang um, with a manual transmission. With How a manual that transmission work? that was revealed. <laughs> And we know that there is a Mustang-inspired SUV coming. And I'm going to defer to Chad because he's kind of the source for all things Ford and truck-like. So what do you have uh, on this particular vehicle? He wants to hear us speculate on it. Um, And I'd I'd like to hear what you think. So um, a couple of things. Um, Let me find out what Ford's officially calling it at this point. I can't remember. Oh, it has a name. No, it doesn't have a name. They've got the official, non-official name. but yeah, basically, it's their Mustang-inspired uh, EV. So a couple of fascinating things. Um, at SEMA this week, as we're recording, um, Ford and Wabasto, which Wabasto makes um, like batteries and chargers and EV stuff along with like heaters and crap, um, partnered together to build this 900-horsepower Mustang. It has a manual transmission. I don't know how that works. Um, well, the seat, remember the, the, the what was the, the, seat, the, the original Insight had a manual transmission, did it not? Yeah, yeah but that, but was, that a was a hybrid. hybrid. Oh, okay, guys. All right. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'll go back to my corner. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Thanks, sorry. Thanks, for but, the, thanks for the backup on that one. But, <laughs> I mean, there's only, there's, only one, there's only one EV out there now that has more than one gear, and that's the Taycan, if I'm not mistaken. So, because um, Tesla tried to do a two-speed transmission and couldn't get it to work. Uh, so, the idea of six is, first off, one kind of surprise, but then also um, a clutch 
and a, a stick shift? Like, or is, is it just all fake? Is it like the fake gears in a CVT? That like, would be awesome. Are you actually if it was not fake. Doing anything? <laughs> um, so I so I don't know the answer to that, but it is fascinating just to see that that sort of partnership there and them showing that hey, look, electric can mean performance. Um, is that a Mustang new thing? Is... I feel like we we know that now. Electric can mean performance, and I think we've had a whole racing series trying to demonstrate it yes. to us. I, I think that we're much farther along in that perception than we were before. Um, but still, when you think of a performance EV, there's only one company you think of, um, and it's yeah. not Porsche. So I, I think that maybe there is some mainstream kind of gain to go there. Um, okay. we, we can talk about the name and the Mustang Inspired and stuff of it separate. But next week, um, I'm seeing it Friday under embargo. It's going to debut on that Sunday. Um is this new fully electric uh, crossover from Ford? Uh, four doors, uh, you know, lifted. Probably going to be all wheel drive. Um, I think they're going to build it in Flat Rock along with the Mustang. I'm not sure on the production location, so don't quote <laughs> me on that. Um, uh, I've seen a, a year or so ago, Ford showed a really, 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 really rough concept to some journalists in Detroit. Um, it doesn't look too far off on the spy shots that revealed this week from that. So it's going to be kind of coupe-like. Um, I hate to use that term on a crossover, Yeesh. but it's going to have everyone, pro- everyone else is doing it. Why not? It's, it's, it's probably going to have a little bit lower, uh, a little bit swooping of a roof, a roof line in the back. Um, just to give it a little bit more of a, a sporty appearance. Um, the spy shots that came out this week have the three um, slatted taillights like they are on Mustang. Um, I don't know how much Mustang DNA is going to be in there, um, but it's going to be their first plug-in battery electric with decent range because oh. the focus the focus is dead. And the focus uh, electric, which I actually really like driving um, – at its best, only had a mo- hundred miles of range. Yeah. Um, so this one will have most likely this will have. Hopefully, it has a, a CCS charger and not a Chatamo. Um, and then Ford did announce a week or so ago that they're partnering with a couple of the big uh, charging uh, systems to basically ensure that you can pay for everything in one app. So you'll be able to use you'll be able to use the Ford Pass app yeah. um, to pay for electric vehicle charging at places like EVgo chargers and uh, ChargePoint, like all of those. So they're, they're not doing their own infrastructure the way Nissan has helped to build out the infrastructure, but they're making it easier for you to pay to charge. Now, uh, Jay asked, his question was, is this a game changer or is it just another electric car no one buys? And I think that's a very fair question. So is this something where we're going to see where Ford's going to put a lot of promotional bluster behind it and then it's going to hit the market and it will just be a showroom ornament? Or is this something that you think people will gradually come to be – there'll be like a critical mass of buyers like there was with the Prius and then four or five years later you start seeing them everywhere? I can't. I can't guarantee, but I'm about 95% certain that it'll be a 50-state car, which already puts it ahead of most of the EVs out there. Um, Tesla sells in all 50 states. Uh, Chevrolet does with the Bolt. Uh, Nissan does with the Leaf. Nearly all of the Koreans, like the Kona Electric and things like that, uh, those are only available in the 10 in the 10 sort of uh, California emission states. Um, some are exclusive to California like the Ionic BEV. Um, so there are a lot of electric cars that you just can't buy outside of California. Um, I don't believe this will be one of them. I think this will be a 50-state car, uh, which already gives it an advantage. Sam, Game- fair enough. S- Sammy, what do you think? 
My answer is a little bit, I, I have a really stupid way of, uh, of approaching this question. I think that what Ford needs right now is a reason for people to buy electric cars or plug-in hybrids in their lineup. I don't know if everybody even knows that they've got some plug-in uh, or other hybrids in their in their lineup. And well, they've killed, prob- some, they've killed most of them. I believe they, they've gotten a, uh, an Explorer hybrid. Explo- Explorer and Escape are both hybrids. But and that's yeah. like year, I believe. Yeah, but they're plug-in oh. hybrid. They're really good plug-in hybrid. They killed. So Yeah, I mean, I think they're probably going to be bringing more, and I think they probably realize that maybe the take rate on them wasn't that, wasn't that special. So they're trying to have, kind of like what we saw with that Raptor, they want to have something that says, this is the big daddy of, of our electrification concept. And if this isn't for you, we've got a couple of other options that might work out for you. And those That's are those. a very optimistic way of looking at it, Sammy. Uh, I don't know. So to go with what um, our listener was, was asking, is this going to be a game changer? Probably not. I don't think we're going to see these everywhere, or at least at the same clip that we see some other electric cars like Tesla's. Um, or Leafs, and I just I think it's going to be an approach for them to 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 say this is the top of our electrification strategy right now. I think I think they could go one of two ways, and I'm not sure which way I would prefer they go. Um, I think one way is just an affordable crossover electric, um, which I think makes the most sense because if you want to buy a, um, an electric electric crossover that's expensive, like Tesla will take care of you for that. Um, yeah. I think affordability definitely matters, but what I find interesting about them choosing the Mustang as sort of like their basis for yeah. how they're this coming is, up with their naming the and most important part of it. Um, I think maybe that opens the door for them to charge a bit more for it yeah. to where they can then say, look, this is going to be our premium BEV mm-hmm. option. But then here, check out this fully electric uh, Explorer or check out this fully electric uh, Escape Escape, or the fully electric F-150. Like maybe it's going to be – If those all come to market, yeah. Right. Um, Which that platform that they're using, I mean it's 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 versatile, yeah. Um, So maybe they're following the Tesla approach was like do the really stupid expensive electrics first to help fund the more mainstream I mean, the the advantage that Ford has over Tesla is they can actually build cars properly. So, don't at me. Um, Shots fired. But but I mean, like Tesla's getting better, but they're still like if Ford wants to build a hundred thousand of these things, they can they do can. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so, so I, I don't know if it's going to be a game changer. I'm trying to I'm trying to stay optimistic about it, but I'm concerned that they're going to call it something like the Mach E. I think that it's probably. <laughs> I hope that it's more exciting than just a regular old crossover that happens to be electric. Like I hope it's I hope it's a game changer, but while I've been able to get information out of my my Ford sources on everything from the next Raptor to you know to this Bronco to this, like it's been really hard to get information on this Bev, right. And, and we want to say thank you to Jay for asking that question. We've had a lot of people write into us and say, you know, we should have a section on the podcast where we're responding to listener questions more specifically. And I think that's a, that's a great idea. So what we'd like to do is uh, towards the end of the show is we're going to we're going to start focusing on questions that we get from listeners. So if you have something that you want to ask us, it doesn't have to be about what we've talked about on a recent show. It can be just something you're curious about in the industry or curious about with a specific car or you're wondering maybe uh, you have a couple of cars you're comparing and you're not sure which one would be the better idea for you make sure to get in touch with us and we will talk about it on the air and uh, sammy if they wanted to get in touch with us what's the best way for them to do that honestly if they wanted to get in touch with us it's very easy just go to our website unnamedautomotivepodcast.com and there's a contact form right 
there. Now, if you want to be a little bit more personal, you want to target either me or Ben, uh, we have our own methods for that as well. You can reach me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. And Ben, he prefers Instagram. He's at Hunting Benjamin. Additionally, you can email uh, Ben. He's Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. And if you, want, it, well, if you want to see past – or see, if you want to listen to past episodes of the Unnamed Automotive Podcast, you can, again, go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. They are all there. There are links to reviews related to the vehicles we talked about, and there's photos of some of the cars that we talk about on the show. You can also find us on pretty much every podcatcher, Apple iTunes, uh, Apple po- the Apple Podcast. You can uh, find us on CastBox, Spotify, Google Play Music. And actually, I want to drop a note. We had a couple listeners as well recently say that on their Google Play Music accounts, our recent podcasts weren't showing up uh we were stopping in early october it seemed so uh, i haven't had that problem and i checked with our tech support and technically our feed is good so if you are listening to this and you've noticed that if you're listening to this on the website because your google play podcast is no longer updating if you unsubscribe and resubscribe it seems to fix the problem the issue is we can't do anything about it on our end because google rehosts all of the podcast files and controls things on their side so if you're having that problem Give that a shot, and that will probably get you back into uh, our our good graces in terms of downloads. I'm going to be that jerk um, and say that if you are using, if you're having that issue, um, Overcast is a fantastic podcast client, as is Pocket Cast, which I use all the time. And Pocket Cast lets you sync between Android and Apple, and they have support both in Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, and it's it's so. It's a much better experience. So, okay. so there that you out go. There. There's, there's some advice. If you're having problems with Google, maybe that's a, a better option. Uh, say, Chad, uh, where could we find your work next? What, what's what's next for you? Um, so uh, before you hear from me next, which will probably be sometime before the end of the year, um, I'm driving the new Titan next week. And then a week from the day we're recording this, I'm going to see the, the Mustang EV. So the day that this next episode drops will be the day that you'll be able to go to the website and see all about it. Um, the, the even though I out. And the truth will be out there, even though I won't be on here talking about it probably. But um, all will be known because that's because when you listen to the next episode, that'll be just before the start of the LA Auto Show, and there's a lot of there's gonna be a lot of stuff going on there. So um, keep an eye out on the drive. A lot of my stuff's there. Um, I've been doing some stuff at TTAC, the truth about the truth about cars. Um, and then I've been in Chuck Trend and places like that. So uh, just find me on Twitter. I'm at Chad Kirshner, which my last name is spelled K-I-R-C-H-N-E-R. And Sammy can never pronounce for some reason, even though I know how to say Hajasad. I know. Um, it's it's a surprising mental block that I've never really, been able to understand. It really is. Um, and then also I would just like to thank all the robots that are listening. So Thank you, robots. Uh, Sammy, uh, do you have what, – what will you be uh, driving next week that we're going to be talking about that the robots will no doubt be driven to a rage by? Well, I drove a bunch of BMW products, and I'm very excited to talk to you about the new X6 M50i, as well as a prototype drive of the two of the new front-wheel drive-based 2 Series. Wow, I'm very curious to hear about the 2 Series. That's going to be a good conversation. I, I have a lot of ideas and opinions <laughs> on, a vehicle I I haven't, on a vehicle I haven't driven, <laughs> which is my forte. Right. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be talking about a BMW as well. Uh, I drove the M4 Cabriolet. 
the with the competition package, which is the last it's the last generation for this particular vehicle because it's gonna be replaced very soon. So it was kind of interesting. Uh I I was surprised by some things about it having driven the coupe a couple of You gotta before. save all this for the next episode, Ben. Come on, man. Wow. You're giving it all away. Okay, I guess uh I guess dad says it's time to end the podcast. So uh <laughs> thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Chad, for being such a gracious guest and thank you, Sammy, for doing whatever it is you do. And no problem. We, we hope that you'll be back with us next week uh, listening again. And please send in your questions. Bye. Bye.